0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast. My name is Jack. In today's episode, my co-host Owen Roberts sat down with to interview Zach Sigurdsson, who is a fellow Snorri alumni who went to Iceland with Owen and I during our Snorri group in 2022. Zach is interested in Viking reenactment, in writing, as well as the history of Icelandic literature and all things relating to the sagas. Owen and Zach get into all of those topics within today's episode. So, I hope you all enjoy, and as always, thank you for tuning in. And this is what the Icelandic ancestors demanded. I love it. Cheers, baby. And I was clever. Bringing a rag. What else do you do with sewing? Skills? As we were just
1: talking about just moments before, but mm-hmm. uh, ladies and gentlemen, we started the recording here. I've had uh, our good friend Zach Sigurdsson from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, also uh, knows me from Gimli, Manitoba as a Viking, but uh, mm-hmm. more commonly through uh, the Snorri program as well, where we certainly uh got to know each other very well and had uh, really the experience of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Zach is very much so into the, uh, entire Viking reenactment, uh, the sagas, all of that Icelandic, uh, history. And I'm here today to talk to him a bit about that. And, uh, also what he's doing with, uh, some of the Viking reenactments, maybe mm-hmm. at the Icelandic in this year, or, um, even just his hobbies in, uh, the off time. So, uh, thanks so much for coming out, Zach. Thank you for having me, but, and for the beer. <laughs> Cheers. Skal. <laughs> Skal, absolutely. Yeah, if you just want to go and talk about, uh, Really, your interest and in why you want to get into it, uh, that'd probably be the best starting point.
0: Um, it's like, how do I even begin that? So, like, I've always been the kid obsessed with history and, like, that, the stuff that goes along with it, like Lego and dinosaurs, like, all that kid stuff. Um, so, I think when I was probably about 17, I was in university. So I'm a November baby, so I was always the youngest in the group. Um, we went to the Islamic festival as we've had a million times seeing the Viking village. But now that I was like basically 18, we were finally able to go, Hey, I want to join the Viking group. Um, and I, and it's honestly, it's always been very open. If you want to join wherever you are, there was probably a reenactment group. Viking groups are very popular, um, but a reenacting group like the SCA, which I forget what it stands for, um, tends they are they are everywhere. There's chapters everywhere. So probably it was 2014, 2015. I joined the Sons of Blue, as they were called at the time, and we represent or reenact Hiberno Norse peoples of the Viking age. And what that means is. Like we are specifically trying to portray the, for lack of a better word, the Viking settlements in Ireland, like Dublin. Dublin's probably the prime example. And when we're talking about the Viking Age, we are like the Viking Age was only like two, three hundred years. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of time in there, but it can get further narrowed down. So it's like when we're talking about, we tend to talk about like. The nine hundreds to early one thousands, right before ten sixty six, when the Viking Age ends with the Battle of um, Stamford Bridge and the defeats of Harold Godwara. Um, and yeah, like I've always been interested in Viking history because of Icelandic, because I'm a history nerd, and so joining the reenactment was kind of just the the inevitable step. It becomes it becomes more real in a lot of ways. It also becomes more distant in a lot of ways. The what you learn is that people of history knew exactly what they were doing. They were as spiritually intelligent as we are. They just had access to different things, or lack of access to different things, and had different requirements. When I whenever I try to talk about history or teach about history, um, even though I'm not a professional scholar, and that should always be taken into consideration, is that I try to break down history as, there's kind of multiple levels of abstraction. One of which is like, humans living in the early 1800s are a lot closer in lifestyle to Vikings than we are to people of that same period. There's a much greater distance like, the, some of the examples that people give is just like, in the medieval period, every bit of clothing that you wear, someone nearby had to make it. The, unless you are very rich, unless you are exceptionally wealthy, either through land, or loot, or conquest, or all kinds of things, you are making your clothes yourselves, you're making the fabric themselves, and that is a hundred-step process and even just having clothes that are a different color than they otherwise would be is a multiple step process. I'm wearing like currently, um, as of right now, I'm wearing my full Viking gear, my kit, as the, group, as the groups will usually call it. And I'm wearing very like lower mid-class, like my, my tunic is like kind of an off beige, yellowish color. That you can get from like oak leaves or onion peels, like stuff that is often around. Mm-hmm. Moss. Yeah, moss, stuff like that. But when you're talking about like blues and reds, that's the wealthy Vikings that are going to have that. Yeah. And a lot of Viking acting becomes about the material culture, because that's what you're portraying. You really get into the weeds of like, oh, they wouldn't have had this, they would have had this, they wouldn't have had that. But then it becomes like, oh, This was someone's life. This was a lot of people's lives, a lot longer than we can even imagine.
1: Yeah, very interesting and a very good kind of concluding point about that entire aspect in general. But that's awesome that you got so into it and uh, obviously you're of Icelandic descent yourself too. uh, And certainly Snorri was uh, an interesting experience for you. Yeah, Um,
0: it really was. I I had a lot of big moments there in regards to just like feeling oh i've worn the clothes now i've stood where the things happened and it just comes that little bit closer even though we are talking about stuff that we will never fully understand
1: yeah and uh also so not only are you a fan of the sagas i know you have read pretty much all of them uh zach is also a uh, author himself and uh that's pretty awesome that you uh start doing all that writing and you're selling those books now Um, Please give a little drop on those and uh, talk about that experience, too.
0: Yeah, so um, I am a self-published fantasy horror writer. My pen name tends to be just Z.F. Sigurdsson. You can always find me on on any website or social media at Z.F. Sigurdsson. Super easy to find. I have two paperbacks on Amazon that are story collections. Um, called The Veiled Sagas. And, like, through through the trip of Snorri, I realized how specifically Icelandic some of my ideas are, because the whole idea of Veiled Sagas is that in the hidden world that so much fantasy has, like Harry Potter, um, Percy Jackson, tons of that stuff, is that the, the fiction world, the, the hidden world, Feels so distant from our own, where I've always written and imagined it the way history does, and that is things are always influencing each other. People are going to the hidden world, they're bringing their culture and technology. So that's kind of the world I write in. But I write various characters, I write dark Avengers that are just trying to understand why they are in this hidden world. And then I write very, like I write fantastical characters are reacting to the introduction of modern technology like how does someone who's fundamentally had a medieval existence react to a cell phone and that uh, often clearly has a lot of layers with how i just think about reenactment yeah like all this stuff feeds into each other um so yeah i have two paperbacks i have um and they're all ebooks um and i have a Hopefully a third one coming out this fall. I'm grinding away on that.
1: So, given all the uh, sagas that you've uh, read over your time, mm-hmm. what uh, would you say are your, uh, your favorites or were some of the most inspirational to you?
0: Um, well, inspiration is writing. Like, I have to talk, like, yeah, I could go on forever But Snorri Sturluson, But Snorri Sturluson is writing, like, the fantasy, he's writing the magic he's writing what his grandma's stories were through the lens of Christian so that like well reputed scholars have gone on and on about the complexities of Snorri Sturluson and what we actually know or may not know about Snorri's mythology but in my actual writing I really really loved the Igles saga and the saga of King Harold. They were both very character-driven, action-packed stories. They're like, I think about the similarities in the kinds of stories we tell. And the fact is, sagas and stories throughout all cultures are occupying the same space as big epic genre action movies and blockbusters. We tell these big, epic, larger-than-life characters, and we've always done that. Like, I do think there's a lot more similarities in how we think about Marvel Thor, and the historic Thor, mythological Thor, then we give it credit to like accuracy. Besides, it's occupying the same space in how we think about stories and heroes and characters as a culture.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's a very uh, good way to put it. And yeah, the Aegis saga is uh, certainly interesting and. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, a little inspiration from the program is Norris Stuttgesen, so uh, that's uh, certainly an interesting one uh, in itself, too. Um, so, uh, one coming from Jack, actually, just talking more about this uh, saga aspect here. Uh, for himself, he said, a bit personal, but I just want to ask advice for inspiring authors and uh, describe the process of book publishing and how that had all gone for you.
0: The number one thing is always finish things. It's easy to, it's easy to start a project. It's always harder to finish a project. Um, I pride myself in my ability to just grind at a story, even when I'm so done with it, even when I can't see past my, I can't see past it. It's like, just get the words out, finish it. And then you have something finished. And then when you let it sit for a while, let it marinate, you can come back to it and go, oh, there was actually something here when you're in the middle of writing, people say, like, it's not exciting for you, it's not exciting for the reader. I don't think that's true, because so much of writing is in the editing phase. It's always about getting it done and grinding up the work.
1: Interesting. That's awesome. That uh, certainly sounds like some very good advice. Um, I guess another uh, kind of focus point this year over at uh, Icelandic Roots uh, mm-hmm. this year is kind of the immigration process into Canada, and... Uh, Also, the genealogy aspect of all of that. Uh, Do you want to talk about where your family comes from and uh, just connecting back to home when we were in Iceland? It's my dad's grandparents.
0: Um, They came to the country as Frickensons or something along those lines. But they actually maintained the patrilineal naming for like an extra generation, so we became Sigurdsons. Um, The family is from primarily Skagopjörg, up in the north. Um, When I was staying in Saudi Krakow, I was able to go with my home state family and visit the valley, where some of my ancestors were known to come. Um, We didn't get very far, because there's kind of just not much there besides more farmlands. But on the entrance of the valley was the site of an important Viking battle, during the like the Civil War period, when all the various clans were battling it out, um, so clearly my like even even in the eighteen hundreds, my great grandparents would have known about their Viking relations because it was literally right next door. Um, I wish I could name names, but I tend to need those ones to be written down because i would just. Talk
1: Yeah, no worries. No worries at all. Yeah, it's uh, certainly interesting. I found that everybody on that uh, story program really did have family from all over the island, which uh, is interesting because uh, whatever the many reasons, there were certainly uh, lots of them. But uh, it's very, very interesting and neat that they came all this way. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess also just uh, another one from Jack would just be uh, some of the most interesting things you find uh, pertaining to Viking migrations and as it relates to genealogy and the early Norse settlement of Iceland when they first kind of got around there. Well, the we have to think about Iceland. It was
0: it was the backwater frontier. Like we have to think about it not as the central location of the Viking world. It was the it was the outskirts. It's
2: there's reasons Eric
0: the Red was out there and didn't because people didn't like him. People, um, well, we don't know a ton about like what various Viking groups thought about Icelanders, given its resource, given its resources, given, given its place, it was kind of the backwater frontier. And that to me relates to like how The Vinland Settlement, how Vikings reaching North America, and I always say reaching, not discovering North America, because obviously there were people there. Um, It was reaching North America and having the first interaction with indigenous people. Um, And it was, this is out in the end of the world, this is literally the end, of the, the edge of the world. And the Icelanders knew it was there, but it kind of didn't matter because it was a backwater frontier. Like, the whole story about Snorri Sturluson is that um, he was living like only a couple hundred years after the Viking Age, and he was a major player in how Norway and then later Denmark were like, Iceland is now our people. It's now ours. Um, so that kind of, like, ends the period more for Iceland than, like, the Christianization, because they were Christian and Viking for a long time by
1: then. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's why they do have Icelandic Independence Day as a national holiday out there, of yeah. course, which is, uh, it was incredible to be there and to yeah. uh, actually celebrate that day and watch the incredible parades and songs and all of uh, and it was It was like,
0: it had good energy. I've been to a lot of national holidays where and kind of, different people have different reactions to it. And it's not always good. And sometimes it's very, very valid discussions to be had. Um, but the Iceland one was like, oh, everyone's welcome here. Everyone's allowed to have a good time. I was just so happy to see, like, clearly lots of mixed families in Iceland and Reykjavik. Very proud to be sharing th- this time
2: together.
1: Absolutely. It was, uh, it was beautiful. And, uh, yeah, I'm counting on the days until, uh, I get to go back. That's, uh, certainly, uh, already something I want, especially at this time of the year when, uh, just one year ago we're coming up to, we were, uh, does flying out of the country to Iceland.
0: Does not feel like it. it. does not feel a year ago, even though I know what, rationally I know what
1: Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, I, uh, I guess, uh, any other things would be, uh, any other closing comments or, uh, things you have to say, just... In relation to really Iceland, New Iceland, and the uh, sagas, the books you're writing, and uh, where people can find you again, and uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, you can come say hi at the Icelandic Festival in the Viking Village. I'll be there chopping chopping wood to make bowls and spoons and stuff, because that's the little crap I got myself going on now. Um, I hope to see lots of snorries and see lots of friends I haven't seen in a long time because it will be my first Icelandic festival in like five, six years because I had to leave the group for various personal reasons. Um, So I'm very excited to be at the Icelandic festival this summer. And if anyone is interested in my writing in some dark fantasy, um, I can be found at ZF Sigurdsson on all social media and on the website
1: and my books are all available on Amazon. Beautiful. Well, uh, thanks so much for uh, coming again. And uh, I know at this point you guys would have looked at the podcast and uh, saw how awesome the cover is. That's because Zach was prepared for uh, this episode today. He came to me in his fully, pretty much, almost completely handmade Viking outfit that he has for the Viking reenactments this summer. And uh, he looks incredible. It's, uh, it's There's some fierce photos in there, that's for sure.
0: Everything from socks all the way to sword and necklaces and
1: jewelry. Perfect. Well, thanks again so much for coming, Zach, and uh, scowl to many more.
2: Thanks for listening to the Icelandic Roots Podcast, where we explore the rich history and culture of Iceland and its people. Are you curious about how your Icelandic ancestry, or simply fascinated by the unique stories of this stunning island nation, look no further than Icelandic roots? Join our community of passionate and knowledgeable genealogists, historians, and Iceland enthusiasts who are dedicated to preserving and sharing the stories of Icelandic heritage. Our organization offers a wealth of resources and support for anyone interested in exploring their Icelandic roots, including access to a comprehensive genealogical database, educational events, and cultural tours of Iceland. Whether you are just starting your genealogical journey or are a seasoned researcher, Icelandic Roots has something for everyone. We believe that understanding our past is essential to shaping our future, and we committed to helping individuals connect with their Icelandic heritage in meaningful ways. So come join us today on this exciting adventure into Icelandic history and culture. Visit our website to learn more about becoming a member of Icelandic roots and starting your own unique connection to this incredible country.